Hi listeners, stories have so much power and so does whoever controls the narrative. It is time that we dissect and analyze these stories. I am Vipul and this is Vogue Tales. Hi everyone, this week I bring you one of Haiti's most popular folk tales, the story of a young girl's friendship with a fish, story of Tezin the fish. And with me, I have a very special guest whose blog introduced me to this story. Please welcome Kate Farrell. Kate is a storyteller, author, and librarian. She founded the Word Weaving Storytelling Project and has published numerous educational materials on storytelling. She has contributed to and edited award-winning anthologies of personal narrative and her award-winning new book, Story Power, Secrets to Creating, Crafting, and Telling Memorable Stories is a timely how-to guide on art of storytelling for adults. Kate, welcome on Vogue Tales. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for accepting the invitation. I'm so excited to have you discuss this story. But before we start the story, I want to share what I learned about Haitian storytelling tradition. Haitian stories are introduced by an invitation to hear a story. The person telling the story shouts out, Creak! And the people who want to hear the tale answer in chorus, Crack! So, Creak! Crack! <laughs> yes! So, on that note, it's story time! As was the custom, boys and girls who grew up in rural areas actively participated in family duties. There was a brother and a sister who sometimes were sent off to collect water from a river located not too far from the family house. When both returned home, the family always complained about the boy not bringing crystal clear water like the sister did. So the parents asked the boy to learn from sister, but the brother was really hard-headed and never really listened to his sister's instructions. One day, when the sister was collecting water, a big fish appeared. The fish introduced itself as Tezin and told the girl that it would help her because she was nice and loyal. So Tezin and the girl made a pact. The fish would go and collect utterly clear water from the depth of the river for the girl if she kept it a secret. Upon arriving at the river, the girl had to sing a song to invoke the fish. However, Tezin warned the girl not to tell anyone about his existence because this would put his life at stake. Also, he gave her a handkerchief. If the handkerchief became stained with three drops of blood, it meant that Tezin was killed. From then on, because of Tezin, the girl would bring the clearest water they had ever seen at home. Her parents were very suspicious and asked the brother to spy on the girl. So the next day, after witnessing the interaction between the fish and his sister, the boy ran home and divulged his sister's secret friendship with the fish. The parents got angry and worried that the fish was a monster who meant to harm their daughter. They thought that the monster of the river had taken their daughter's soul. So they planned on killing the fish. The next morning, they sent the girl off to the marketplace instead of the river. Meanwhile, the parents went to the pond and sang the song and killed Tezin. 
The next day, she went to the river and sang countless times, but the fish didn't appear. She took a look at the handkerchief, and it was in fact stained with blood. She went back to her home, and that evening, fish was served at the family dinner. The girl refused to eat and went out and cried. As she was singing the song she usually sang to invoke Tezin, she was surprisingly going into the ground. Her brother went to fetch her, but he saw her slowly going into the ground. Astonished, the boy ran inside and called their parents, but they didn't believe him. When he went back, the girl was already deep into the ground up to her neck. He went and called his parents, and when they finally came to see, only one of her braids was on the surface of the ground. When one passes by the river on a full moon night, one can hear the girl singing and Tezin splashing out of the water. The end. Hope you'll like the story. Kate, before we discuss the story, can you please tell me how you came across the story and what made you share the story on your blog? Well, first of all, I wanted to tell you why. When I saw in the news that Haiti's president, Jovenel Moise, was assassinated in his private residence in the capital, Port-au-Prince, on the 7th of July, that it was an attempted coup by a mercenary group from Colombia. I was horrified. You know, such a terrible thing, so shocking in a very fragile and very poor country that I wanted to send some goodwill to Haiti and to the Haitian people through posting a wise indigenous folktale that tells of different values, not the patriarchy, not corruption or social status, and in a very subtle way advocates for the leadership of women who are not recognized. And at the very least, I thought it would celebrate the culture and show how the Haitian people have a universal understanding of what is truly good. And then because I wanted to highlight the authentic voice of the Haitian people, I did just a simple keyword search on Google. I think I just used the two words, Haiti, folklore. And then because I am a librarian, I knew how to quickly search through the results to look for stories that were well-known, that had many different versions, that were published in a variety of picture books and anthologies. And I knew that this would be a story that would represent the culture. You picked a great story, and thank you for choosing the story and sharing it with everyone on your blog. You're welcome. I, I'm just so glad in our wild world of the internet and social media that we connect with each other in, in these serendipitous ways. Right. With all the problems social media might bring, the good thing is it definitely can bring people closer and quick access and sharing of information. If we talk about the story, one thing I really liked was the relationship shown between the girl and nature. I personally believe that we can live and thrive in a symbiotic relationship. And in this story, I think the girl understands and respects nature and its importance. And nature recognizes that and helps her. And obviously, this is a story where a literal fish comes out to give clean water. But in real life, if we respect nature, nature will help us with, say, clean water. 
That's some symbolism of the symbiotic relationship. It is. And the idea of the magical fish and the crystal clear water that she was able to access is also a judgment on her. It's as if the nature itself has presence, can look and evaluate who we are. So it was that uh, rapport, that back and forth, that's so fascinating about that story because she was a worthy girl and nature saw that through the amazing knowledge of this fish. And, you know, it seems like the magical fish has a different way of knowing things underwater, very primal, very primitive, and yet is connected to her as she is to it. So I thought it was a real give and take. She appreciated nature, but nature through this incredible creature not only spoke to her, but recognized her for this valuable, giving woman that, you know, that she had an inherent gift. Her purity of purpose, her devotion, her willingness to be of service to others, and her knowledge of water itself. And later in the story, we, we see that she was connected to other elements as well. Right, and putting it into perspective, we have climate change, global warming, access to clean water. We have to acknowledge this, recognize this, and figure out how we can do our part. We can learn from the girl in the story. She was a little girl, and she had the understanding and respect for nature. Right, and also it occurs to me that Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere and has never recovered from the devastating earthquake back in 2010. And that the government, the people themselves have not managed to find the inner resources to rebuild their country, to find their core values. And I do believe that that was part of why I chose this story and perhaps why Haitian people understand the goodness of a story like this but you know that where where are the resources in the Haitian community I just want to mention that whenever the World Bank or UNESCO or other great global foundations go into very poor countries they do say that if they fund women and women in the village businesses and enterprise in the village, that their funding is duplicated a hundred thousand times because women will share what they learn and they'll keep it at home. So those were some of the thoughts I had about that girl. Which is interesting because in the story, the boy doesn't listen to the sister, doesn't take her seriously as someone who could teach him something like women in leadership roles. First of all, there aren't that many. And the ones who are, sometimes it can be harder for them to be taken seriously. So there is a dismissive undertone towards the girl in the story. So I think you're talking about innate sort of prejudice and bias against women 
and girls and young girls. Um, yes, absolutely. And I think that's in the story. And yet, you know, in that subtle dynamic that you're so carefully parsing, it's written there. It really is. And yet, in the larger context of nature itself, she is seen as the example, as the exemplar, as the one who has the value. And so that's the irony in that story because the fish knows, has a different way of understanding and recognizes her. And I think in the story, there are some hints about why the family was prejudiced against the girl, that the brother was allowed to disregard his sister's instructions, that he could minimize what she said, and that he could go off and maybe take a nap in the jungle and not be punished for it. So he was given the freedom to be dismissive of his sister, that the girl, her ideas would be minimized or dismissed because after all, she's only a girl. And throughout our entire world, you know, we seem to be under the boot of patriarchy, even in Haiti, of course. So when she is undercut by her family, it almost seems logical that her brother would spy. And there is nothing more terrifying to, to people um, generally than a young girl who has magical powers. She sat by the river and she chanted and she called up magic. And that's something that has been feared throughout the ages that women could be witches, that they could seek power in a different way. And even though it's innocent and pure, it's to be feared. So it seems to me that the family was following the normal script of most cultures and feeling fear, jealousy, and even perhaps greed that they could take what the girl had by killing the fish, by mimicking her chant, and by destroying what she valued. Exactly. And in addition to the prejudice against the girl, there is prejudice against something which is different, which is foreign. The girl's family, when becomes aware of the special friendship with the fish, are upset by it and decide to end it. The story focuses on this friendly, pure relationship which rendered the girl's parents concerned and her brother jealous. I think this could be a seed for concept of prejudice and cultural differences and similarities in our world. This can be an excellent story for children whose parents are uncomfortable with the new culture, lifestyle and environment and prevented from interacting socially with others as a result of their own prejudices. And not just parents, but it has elements of inability to accept someone who is different in the society, be it race, sexual orientation, religion, ethnicity, 
People have their prejudices, which are passed down to generations, just like folk tales. That's true. And everyone in children's literature, publishers, libraries, schools, booksellers are finding out how critically important your discussion is that diversity in books is vital if we want to create communication and openness among families and children. So I think they finally got the message. And now I see there's diversity, there's value in diversity, and parents and families are being encouraged, especially I would say in the public libraries. When they're open, I don't know if they're open yet, but for sure on the online story hours and the stories that are shared in the community, there is tremendous sensitivity for us as educators, librarians, and parents to open our eyes to every single culture. I'm so glad that's happening and appreciate everyone who is trying to introduce diversity and inclusion in whatever capacity they can. Coming back to the story, the ending was so unusual and unexpected. There was no redemption or happily ever after as we know of. Right. Certainly was a very unusual ending. Nothing like finding the prince and the brother was not believed. Mm, no one yeah. cared enough in her family, you know, to really be concerned, which I thought was very annoying to me. Right. <laughs> they would immediately say, really? Oh, no. Where is our darling girl? Let's go see. No, that's not real. That's not happening. And he had to go back third time. And it seems to me that this is just my take on what happened. But if we think of how nature itself loved this girl and appreciated her, that she had power, that she had the symbiotic relationship with them, that the element of water is similar to the element of earth. And that in the end, the earth claimed her, took her. And I felt it was fine <laughs> that, that she would be taken home. Wow, she's home. I was looking at it from a very narrow lens of a happily ever after. But what is happily ever after? In the story, it is that she is with a force or element of nature who appreciates her. And that is a happy ending for her. Mm -hmm. We are children of the earth. And especially during this time of climate change. To not only be appreciated, to be compassionate citizens to one another but to fully develop a relationship to the earth itself. I think Greta would understand. <laughs> right, I'm sure she, she would. I'm sure she would I like the story. She would get it down to the, the braid. <laughs> right, wow. <laughs> yes. I think it's, 
it's an incredible story. It is. And I think that's a great message to wrap our discussion with. It is a powerful message that we are children of the earth, that we should respect people and respect nature. We shouldn't try to control people or control nature, respecting differences and thriving together. So Kate, I again want to thank you for coming on this show and sharing your thoughts. It was amazing to have you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate our discussion. I think between the two of us that we actually stimulated one another. (laughs) I think so as well. (laughs) Yeah. I also want to add for everyone listening that please check out Kate's website, katefarrell.net, and her blog, storytellingforeveryone.net, for some wonderful stories. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. On that note, bye for now. Bye-bye. Let me know your thoughts on the story and our discussion by emailing me on woketalespodcast at gmail.com or through social media at woketalespodcast on Instagram and woketalespod on Twitter. And please rate, review and like Woketales Podcast and don't forget to subscribe so you can easily access our weekly stories. If you have any story recommendations or if you want to come dissect and analyze a story with me, give me a shout out on email or social media. Because whatever you do, keep dissecting and keep analyzing.